Well, hello, everybody. I'm Dale Shores. And I'm Emerson Collins, and you're watching The Dell and Emerson Show. Straight talk. Real gay. See, I did it quick. I'm just keeping it, changing just it up. Didn't draw it out today. And all oh, that theme music by Brent Sawyer, W. Brent Sawyer. It just, it just gets me in a good mood. I appreciate you. Oh, y'all, we got a big show. Ellen's ending, Caitlin voted, Colton at that gay spa, the girl in my bathtub candidate, a non-binary mayor, mayor, sober venues, dueling funerals, the queen versus conversion, vagina museum, and more. Ooh, the Vagina Museum. I know that so many of you are staying for that story. That's, well, I got to go. I don't know that much. Oh, I don't think. I think I'll just skip that one. Uh, Do you have a good story? No, I just said I'm waiting for the Dick the Dick Museum. I just want to go to the Dick Museum. Well, it's right next to Tallywhackers in Dallas. <laughs> it's also, well, it could be the art in my bedroom, too. You, uh, you certainly have, like, started a, certainly a tribute to a Dick Museum. Yes, I do. I will, I'm willing all that to you, Emerson. So. I appreciate it. So I get the Dick paintings and Gracie. They, Gracie and the Dick paintings. Yeah, yeah. Sure. And, and and I think I I think I left you 125 dollars. So one thirty two oh nine is what I left you. Thirty two oh nine. That's perfect. I will. I, I live forever. I want you to live so long that I don't get those presents. Oh, I want you. No, someone's got to produce the memorial. <laughs> It's really what it is. I get 3209 as my fee for producing the funeral. That's right. That's uh -huh. right. Emerson, Emerson, I tell tell us about losing your car. Y'all, I lost my car. <laughs> lost his car. Like, <laughs> the world is opening back up and I am clearly not prepared. I walked out of my house yesterday to drive to Del Shore's house to do some work on that thing we can't talk about. And I spent 10 minutes wandering my neighborhood like like a sad, I don't know, like genuinely looking like, well, it's not over there. At one point I decided it must have been towed because I parked it last Thursday and I've been leaving my car so many places and I do not have a good sense of direction. Blake laughs that I think everywhere I want to go is to my left, like Beyonce said in that box to the left. And I, if it's not parked in one of the three spots I normally park in, it's just gone. I thought, well, I don't have a car anymore. Um, well, I love that you thought it might be stolen, but it never entered your head that some, I mean, that it might've been towed, but you never thought that it could have been stolen. Well, that's because back when I lived at your house, my car got towed from that street. And I just, and that one I thought was stolen, but no, it just turned out I had parked in front of an olden timey fire hydrant that no one treated like a fire hydrant and it got towed. So it or another possibility was, you know, Del Shores got to drive again and he could have just come in my neighborhood and wrecked it and they towed it off like <laughs> that happened one other time. <laughs> Y'all, Del Shores totaled my car before. Have we, we've never discussed that on the show. <laughs> What's up? That? That's a pretty good segue. I know. <laughs> um, yeah, we, we came, uh, I came home. Uh, Emerson was already at my house and there were helicopters all around and I, I can't remember what happened. I think like somebody had broken into somebody's house and had a gun. Yeah, or something, something like that. It was awful. There were police cars all around. And um, so I had to back up. Now I was, I was driving an, uh, uh, an Acura MDX at the time and I had to back up down. Now I, you know, I didn't have that, that camera, which frankly doesn't help me. Uh, and um, I just, just totally ran also, into his Altima. Was it at the Altima? 
It was the Ultima. But in fairness to you, first of all, the best part of it was he did it so slowly. Because like I didn't, I was like, oh, he sees it, he sees it, he sees it. And then nope, just right into my car. But it also tells you how little value there was to my Altima. Backed <laughs> into the door and it totaled the car. Well, well, I was like, well, you can get that fixed. It's not that bad. Uh, because it didn't even, remember, it didn't even hurt mine. That old that tank, it didn't even hurt it. And also mine was totally still drivable. It, you know, it just looked a little unfortunate, but other yeah. than that, it was fine. And they said, nope. <laughs> Your car is done. I remember oh. I said, we got to give him a raise because now <laughs> I've made him into car, car payment. payment. <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh, we have had some good times. Um, oh, look, Ken remembers. Oh, we must have. Ken just said that happened during the old radio show. So if y'all watched the Dell and Emerson show in our 2014 to 2016 era, you might have heard that story before. All right. Throwback Friday. That um, is. Um, well, all right. Well, the big real news, I want to hear everyone's thoughts. We wait, all news, wait, what's that backdrop about? Oh, most importantly, look at Del Shore's backdrop. Look, what is that fabulous purple book of gems I see before me? Oh, I just have to just, I'm a little bit proud. My eighth yeah. play published by Samuel French is my eighth play, This Side of Crazy. Had so much help, including Emerson's with uh, the launch of this play and uh, and boy, the pandemic just shut us down, but it's it's available nation, it's available for productions nationwide. So that's so exciting. And if you are listening to this in podcast form later on iTunes or Spotify or Amazon or Google or wherever, first of all, thank you. But you can go online and see the beautiful purple playbook for Dell's play, This Side of Crazy, now published and available. Yeah. Concord. Concord. Just Google Concord Theatricals and it will be there. So yeah. anyway, I just want to really quick. Thank you to everybody. All the cat, the two casts in San Francisco and Los Angeles, uh, Ed Decker, all the producers who uh, allow me to do what I love to do. Yes. Oh, we celebrate that today. Okay. Now, Everybody, want to know where you think, where you're at. Everybody be nice to each other while we discuss this because it's okay that there's a range of feelings. But I'm sure we've all seen the CDC is announcing that fully vaccinated people don't need to wear masks or socially distance indoors or outdoors in almost all circumstances, obviously except where mandated by your local city or state ordinances. How does everyone feel? How do you feel? Well, you know, I, it, it's interesting because it feels kind of wonderful to be outside. Uh, and I've been I've been hiking without a mask. But in time I went into West Hollywood or anywhere where there are people, I didn't. And I'm having to rethink a little bit to take it off to be OK with that and not go, not have that knee jerk reaction when I see one someone without a mask giving all this new information today, though, something interesting that I hadn't seen before. I went. Yeah, you know, I got my. Y'all, just warning, I'm back on the road. Uh, I got my, I got my uh, cleared to, to drive again. So j just know I'm out there. And I, uh, so I did a lot of errands. I went on a lot of errands. I went to Trader Joe's and there was a sign that said, if you are vaccinated with the CDC uh, regulations, you do not have to wear a mask in our store. Now I've not seen that before, especially here in California. Yeah, they did a big Trader Joe's announcement now. And I see this in the comments. So let's talk about it from this perspective first. First of all, is businesses do that, right? As they say, if you're vaccinated, you don't need to wear a mask. Well, of course, we don't know who's vaccinated. So yes, people who aren't planning to get vaccinated who haven't wanted to wear masks anyway, won't be. 
But the only thing I want to share on that, because I've been nervous, you know, I've been all of this really intensely the last 14 months. Um, but I think it's important that we take in the science of what the CDC is saying for people who are vaccinated, uh, because they said it's very difficult, right, to get it if you've been vaccinated. And even if you do and have been vaccinated, they say it is very difficult to then transmit it. So you as the vaccinated person are safe for the vast majority of it. Now, where it really matters, and I think the piece of this that's really key, is people that have compromised immune systems, kids who can't get vaccinated yet, certainly being respectful in situations where you might encounter anyone else in close proximity, continuing to be sensitive is really great. And we certainly want to do that for those people because herd immunity really matters for people with compromised immune systems who can't get the vaccine. But the one thing that irks me a little bit watching, you know, the whole, I don't want to be seen as a Republican or a conservative, so I'm going to keep wearing it. It sucks that wearing masks became politicized because of the last yeah. administration, but I don't think it's good for us to politicize it back as well. No, you know, I don't either. What I'm trying to remember is now with this guidance, from the organization that is tasked with taking care of all of us in the pandemic, just don't make assumptions about the people you see one way or the other. You know, for a while you could sort of say that person's not wearing a mask, they're an asshole because they're supposed to be. Now with this new guidance, I hope we widen to consider that it, you can't assume as much as you could before. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you were talking about people with immune, look at our, one of our, somebody in the chat room, I noticed David Williams said, he says he starts cancer radiation treatment in two weeks. So he's keeping his mask on. First of all, David, sending you all the healing thoughts. I cannot pray, but just all of us collectively sending you healing thoughts. But I, I th th again, not judging the people who have their mask and go, oh, well, they're not even vaccinated or whatever, you know? And also that there's room for everyone to operate at safety level. Like, yes, don't sneer at people that want to keep wearing them. I know I've heard a lot of people talk about, hey, I also didn't get the flu or like anything this year because I didn't encounter people. You know, some people may be adjusting the way their whole life works going forward because of it. Um, and we want to be sensitive in our communities. Well, it's, interesting. it's interesting you say that, Emerson, because every single year you or I or both of us at some point get a cold. One a year. I, and, yep. and, and this year it didn't happen. Yeah. Because we weren't, you know, because it shows you that the mask and protecting ourselves like we did, that that is the way that viruses are spread. So anyway. And, and also remember, though, that your mask primarily protects other people from you. You know, right. unless you have a full, complete seal around your face, we were really protecting each other from ourselves. And by everyone wearing it, you know, people who had it, keeping it inside their masks. But I do want to share a bunch of y'all's responses because it covers a range and that's okay too. Erica said, I will still wear masks around others. Dwayne said, I feel liberated. Robert coming in with comedy said, it will make cruising a lot easier because you never know what someone's face looks like with a mask. <laughs> it's so interesting because, you know, what was that? Who, who said that? Robert. Um, Robert, I, I I so agree with I mean, not that cruising, but people are so different looking. I I remember working on this little uh, Quibi show with Leslie, and there was this guy. Oh my God! Everybody saw he's so hot, he's so hot. And then I saw him at lunch with his mask off. He wasn't as hot as he was with the mask on. Yeah. Um, Victor said, "I'm easing out gently." Brent oh, that sounds very nice. I that's considerate. Think so. 
John said, keep wearing them in public. It's not possible to know who's vaccinated. Kelly, unsure. I'm in New York and Cuomo is not on board with new mask mandate. And it is really important that different levels of vaccination are going to lead different states or cities or communities to, to change their guidelines separately. And we certainly want to follow our local guidelines. Tony said, it's a weird feeling. I agree with Tony. It is very odd. And, and then it's also, you're, I'm already getting to the place where going outside and then I go, okay, I'm going outside, but then wait, like the other day, I walked all the way to the UPS store and then I realized, fuck, I don't have a mask. I don't have a mask with me because I was going outside and, and I had to not do what I had to do. Alan said he feels the CDC caved to anti-vaxxers. I hope that's not the case. You know, that, they, that we can trust the guidelines of the virologists. Becca said, I'm happy with my mask on. I'm fully vaccinated, but I do eat in restaurants. Leanne said, I'm going to still wear my mask for a few more months. So there's a wide range. And I hope, uh, you know, that we are all also considerate of everyone's comfort level and also that there are people who are vaccinated who live with people who have a compromised immune systems. Uh, but I also, I just don't want to fall into the like, well, I don't want to be seen as a Republican. So, you know, we do want our, our culture to work, um, whatever your personal reason, but I, don't worry about like morons. You know, The main thing is y'all, let's stay safe. Let's continue to stay safe. Uh, and um, that's what yeah. we'll do. We'll, stay, yeah. we'll keep talking about this. And remembering that everyone's still in a different vaccine journey. Danielle said, I can't get my second shot for 10 more days, so I wouldn't feel comfortable going to the grocery store if it's not required. So um, I think we're in for like a month or two, particularly of strange growing pains along this. Um, and just don't make assumptions about people, I think is where I'm landing at on it. Do what's best for you and then don't assume. All right. Well, let's move into some news. Uh, we have Ellen. Ellen is announcing that her show is over uh, after this season, season nineteen. With three, y'all, this is monumental though. Three thousand episodes. Three thousand episodes, and she announced this with Oprah on the show. Uh, and Oprah was also a guest star in when she came out on the Puppy episode in nineteen ninety seven. Uh, so she told the Hollywood reporter as great as the show is and as fun as it is, it's just not a challenge anymore. Uh, this also comes after a dip in her ratings. And we all know that, uh, she was accused of having a toxic workplace, uh, some sexual misconduct by three producers that they fired and Ellen making an on-air apology on the season premiere. Now she did a, an interview this week with Savannah Guthrie who asked her if she felt like she was being canceled. And she said, well, I mean, I really don't understand it. I still don't understand it. It was too orchestrated. It was too coordinated. She also said, because she's a woman, it seemed misogynistic. Um, she also added, and you know, people get picked on, but for four months straight, and then for me to read in the press about a toxic work environment when I have, uh, all I've ever done is from heard from every guest that comes on the show is what a happy atmosphere this is and what a happy place it is. Now, um, not to be rude to Ellen, but there, there are some people who said it was not uh, a great place, a vlogger, vlogger trans vlogger, uh, YouTube vlogger, Nikki, uh, uh, Nikki DeJage. Is that how you say, how do you say her name? I don't know what you're, I don't know. Um, I've gone on script, off script, but uh, she said that it was it was very un, 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 not a, a happy atmosphere. Uh, Brad Garrett, Leah Thompson, 
And then, of course, that uh, comedian, Kevin T. Porter, he's the one who kind of started everything by asking people to post. uh, His quote was, notoriously, she's one of the meanest people alive. And he asked for stories and he would give uh, he got 2000 responses and he donated two dollars per response. But a lot of those were fabricated stories, as we know. So uh, Savannah, my favorite thing was she asked, she said, well, your your ma- mantra was always your motto was be kind. What w- would you still have that motto? And she said, no, my new motto is go fuck yourself. I mean, there it is. But also the tough thing in that quote, right, because what Ellen went through in 97, what it was to be the person at the front is unimaginable. The, the impact she's had on our community, the ground that she broke can never be discounted. No. That's, for her to sit in an interview, even after the last eight, nine months of all of this and say she never heard from a guest that her show was an unpleasant environment. Sure. Of course, the, but also, of course, the famous people who come to be guests on your talk show right. don't have the experience that the lowest level employees do. Like there's a disconnect there between the people, the way people were talking about the environment of the workplace and how like Tom Cruise coming in to be on your show feels their experiences. Obviously we've all seen and experienced people treating celebrities one way and another person. It's sort of the like waiter theory, right? Like don't watch the way somebody treats the person sitting across from them, watch the way they p- treat the person they're taking your order. Um, so it's disappointing to feel like there's still a disconnect for her between what people were saying um, and how she felt she was being attacked. Yeah. And, and Emerson, I mean, I know that, that you know, we live out here and for many, many years, uh, we, we, you heard stories. You heard stories about how nasty she could be. So uh, you don't you, you don't hear stories about people that I mean, every now and then you do and you go, well, I never experienced that. Uh, but um, anyway, it, it also everyone has a bad day. You know, I sort of don't ever take a lot of stock in the first couple of stories I hear about somebody because, you know, there is a level beyond which you could have a bad day and somebody runs into you with the dry cleaners. But there's a pervasive kind of version of storytelling that, that becomes representative of a, of a bigger problem. Um, and my, meanwhile, I'll just be over watching the Kelly Clarkson show where she sings Kelly Oki too, me instead. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I, I, there you go. Have you ever heard Kelly Clarkson was such a bitch? No, never. All you hear about Dolly Parton, Kelly Clarkson, and Reba McIntyre is how amazingly sweet they are, you know. For example, there are some people who could tell stories about that Emerson Collins, but not about Kelly Clarkson. No, you can, and you could say, well, I saw Dell lose his temper one time when he was directing fill in the blank, but. Uh, but it also, and it doesn't negate the impact of the accomplishment of like 3000 episodes and like the amount no. of money that's gone to charity. There are great things, but being able to acknowledge the flaws in our idols is important. I've uh, said it many, many times. One of the most monumental moments of my gay life was standing in a club in West Hollywood, packed to the gills, watching Ellen come out on every screen in the bar. Yes. Yeah. All right, up next, I wanna, you know, we talk a lot about the work that needs to be done. And fortunately we have an administration now that's not causing Twitter drama on the daily basis. So there's some things you might've missed and I just wanted to highlight some of the good work the Biden administration's doing that hasn't gotten as big a trumpet. 
in the last month or two, you know, the Biden administration announced it was ending the last administration's policy that allowed homeless shelters that receive federal funds to discriminate against trans people. Remember, we talked about Ben Carson's HUD and that memo that they said about how to spot a trans woman? Well, Marcy Fudge said we're not doing that anymore. Uh, the Biden administration also filed a statement of interest in a lawsuit in Georgia against the Department of Corrections brought by Ashley Diamond, saying that men in prison sexually assaulted her 14 times when she was denied a hormone therapy. Well, the administration has said it's unconstitutional to systematically place trans women in men's prisons. And then on HIV funding, in the pre preliminary budget for 2022, the Biden administration is asking for $267 million over the $400 million that's been approved since 2019 for ending the HIV epidemic initiative. Major pieces of that go to expanding the use of PrEP and making sure HIV positive people have treatment. Um, not as much as HIV activists want, but progress. You know, we miss some of those things when they're just doing the good work because it's not a flashy uh, lead off the night story. So some good things happening on other issues for our community from this administration. And I'm gonna rip through this story because I'm getting bored with her. Uh, Caitlyn uh, Jenner, remember last week I went off because she didn't vote in the last election? Tuesday. It was just Tuesday. Yeah, it was Tuesday. Well, guess what? She lied about that. Just fucking lied about it because she didn't want to admit, I guess that she voted for Trump. I don't know what her, her thought process is it's just like a bad neighborhood. You don't want to go there alone. But in her big interview, uh, she said she didn't vote and that she was golfing. We remember that. Uh, and she didn't really care about the propositions. Well, just big lies, lies. So LA County records show she did cast a ballot and, and in every general election since 2000, uh, her campaign is not answering questions about it. Now, the first poll has come out in California and, you know, it, it's interesting because 49% uh, uh, are saying that they're not even going to vote for the recall, which is more than he needs to, to survive. But uh, only 6% say that they will support Caitlyn Jenner and only 13% of Republicans said that they would be inclined to vote for her. So she's, she's not doing so good. Honestly, 6% seemed high to me. I thought it was high too. I thought, well, where are those assholes? I expected it to be less than one, like a 0.6%. But it's the, also, usually it's you hear about somebody lied about voting in an election because they're running for something now. Not that they lied that they didn't. Yeah, Emerson, I have to tell you, I got dragged by some of those Kardashian fans. I mean, they are, they love anything Kardashian. And I was on Twitter and I said something about Caitlyn. It was about our show about her not voting. And someone just blasted me. And then this other one came from me. I just said, fuck it. I'm not arguing with you people. I don't give a fuck. I just start block, 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 block. Yeah, it's why I can't. It's why I save all my opinions to share with you all in this one hour live and on a podcast. I know. I'm going to have to. I was thinking, Emerson, I may have to stop, you know, trolling uh, Matt Gates and shit because, you know, they come I, after me. You've got the spine for it. I just don't. I'm a delicate flower these days. <laughs> it's entertaining for me. It really Absolutely is. It is. I love it. The, um, all right, remember, we talked a lot about uh, Colton Underwood, the newly openly gay bachelor. Uh, hold on, I wanted to find his photo. He did another round of interviews. There he is. Um, and revealed some, some sad information in the story that his coming out wasn't this like liberating moment. 
He explained further that he said, I at one point during my rock bottom and spiral was getting blackmailed. Nobody knows I was blackmailed. And the story is that apparently he went to, and I want to make sure I read it correctly. He secretly visited a gay spa in LA. Well, then he got an anonymous email from someone claiming to have nude photos of him there threatening to out him. Now, he said he was there just to look, saying he should have never been there. Mm. He forwarded the email to his publicist, forcing him to have an honest conversation about his orientation. He also admitted in 2016-17, he was on Grindr and did hook up with some men, but never had sex. So the virgin label of his season was still true. He also talked about the abuse allegations with Cassie. He said he never physically touched or abused her but also he's not coming out to brush over or not take responsibility for his actions um, that he did as a straight man and that he was wrong. Now, Netflix has said the show will include taking accountability for some of that. And obviously, clearly, you can be abusive. Stalking is abusive, even if you are not physically directly abusive. Uh, but there was an interesting piece of the interview with Variety. Trans Latina passer Nicole Garcia has an inclusive congregation in Colorado, which will appear on his new show to discuss faith. And she made a point. She said she's happy to ride Colton's coattails because she asked Variety, how many times have you interviewed a transgender Latina pastor? So validation happening. Couple of thoughts on this. One, blackmailing someone to out them is horrifying. Yes. Like yes. gross that that happened. Um, now, he called it a gay spa, and obviously there's been lots of chitter-chatter about, we call them bathhouses, but I thought, well, maybe it was the Melrose Spa, if that still exists, because that one did have spa in the name, but that's right. the only one I could think of. Well, you know, I had a thought, because, you know, the Century Spa, which is oh. not really, that could have been it, because it has turned very gay and very, uh, and some thi things happen there. I've seen some things happen in that sauna, in that steam room. Somebody else was in my DMs and said that one too, that, but it's, but it's not, that one's not, if I'm not mistaken, right? Just a gay spot. No, it's not. It's, it's, it's not. known to have some wink, wink. Look, yeah, look the other know. way. But they have really great legitimate massage. I mean, it just so it just reopened. I'm going, and yeah. and I have a, a little bit of a problem. I should not have been there. I know. Well, you know, I let's just be. Okay, I I I got to tell you, I, I've I've said this before, um, that I I was very hesitant to go because of being recognized, and you know, anybody has a camera and. It, so I, I, but I, I don't give a fuck anymore. I'm just, I'm really not. I'm just, after this pandemic, I'm just like, what the fuck? I'm just gonna, I'm vaccinated. You're at the Century Spa. You have to show that you've been vaccinated. I think, I, you know what? I think I'm going to book me a massage after we get off the show. Be inspired. Well, it also feels, you know, he talked about, I believe he comes from a very Christian conservative world. And, you know, we certainly know there are a lot of steps sometimes on people's journeys, you know, you can feel guilt about the way you're engaging. I certainly early on felt guilt about how I was engaging and backed up. Yeah. Um, that, that may be part of his journey. You know, there's a little slut shamey of the like, I should not have been there. Like, hey, if it's not for you, don't go. Absolutely. Um, but being there isn't inherently, inherently a problem. And maybe that's part of what his gay guide, Cus Kenworthy, will help him realize. <laughs> I was just realizing before it got really like 
crazy gay at the Century Spa. Didn't I take you there for your birthday one time and get you a yes, you did. Oh, that's right. I got such a great massage there. They have great, oh my God. Those, yes. those spas are so great. Well, you anyway. know, my favorite thing in the whole world is a massage. Like there's no other better gift to give me, but I told you, I feel like I've said on the show, one of the funnest places that I went to a bathhouse in Slovakia when I was backpacking because I booked three and a half days in Slovakia. And like after one day I had walked and done everything I wanted to do. And in there, I meet two of the sweetest men, one of them who was the third most successful DJ in Slovakia, which I thought was an interesting title. He told me now, who knows? I didn't follow up. Uh, well, they were I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, yeah, you know, I'm a little triggered by them because worried about, you know, that because somebody came up to me one time at the zone here years ago and said, Love your work. And I just was like, oh, shit. Tom said bathhouses should be seen as performance spots with towels. Yeah. Optional. I think we should start, you know, the Bette Midler bathhouse and just bathhouse Bettys all over a chain. And like bring it back to the old days, cabaret shows and concerts. So, all right, onward, onward. We're getting behind. Okay, Chuck Peruto is running unopposed for district attorney in Philadelphia in the GOP primary. And this is interesting. Among his positions, a section on his website used to say, gay bashing will not be tolerated under my administration. And I will not, I will assign a specific experience assistant DA dealing with nothing but this problem. It would not be my preference to have a prosecutor who would be remotely perceived as gay arguing these cases before a jury. I would assign an older seasoned prosecutor who looks as opposite of gay as you can imagine. Uh, that is the type of assistant DA that can persuade the most conservative jurors to understand this problem is unique in the gay community. It's very oh, odd. Sure. Pause for a second. Let's just discuss that piece because it's one, it, for one way, it's wildly homophobic and also really smart. It, yes. It's like, but it's like, you know, assistant DA against this old season one that some old has been DA. Uh, but I appreciate the like a DA that's just to handle gay bashing. Good for you. Be trying to be an ally. And there is something smart to the warp thinking of, look, if you want to convince the conservative bigots on the juries, you got to get somebody that looks like them and talks like them. You can't have some swishy queen in a tailored suit. I know you're just not going to have, you know, an aspect of like, you're not wrong. Emmett from queer is folk going up again and saying and defending us. Um, so, uh, but the, now here's what's, what's interesting. What's that still on his website is a section. And this is a section titled the girl in my bathtub. And it, he has scandal in, in 2013. His former paralegal was found dead in his bathtub. He was on vacation with his family at the time, and the two had been dating for a month and a half. He was now, he's clear of, of anything wrongdoing by grand jury, but he thinks it was a vendetta from the DA, Seth Williams. So he writes, instead of me hiding and refusing to give a statement of explaining my, or explaining myself, I took to Facebook and called him every name in the book. At one point, I actually offered to fight him in front of the district attorney's office with his three police, with three police guards observing. I, this is just like bonkers insane. Uh, that DA Seth Williams was later imprisoned. Uh, it's y'all. It is a, it's like a lifetime movie of the week called the girl in my bathtub. And Peruto says, I was going to attend his sentencing with pom poms. 
which, you know, bringing back a little bit of the gay, uh, uh -huh. but I decided that that would be unprofessional. I didn't know. I just wanted to say either Lord, 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 or no shit. I mean, why? Now, first of all, obviously a tragedy. This woman lost her life. Yes. Again, I can't decide if I appreciate the directness of this man. He said, look, there is this story from my past and people are going to ask about it. So he's about me. I just put it up on the screen for those watching. It says, here's the story of Charles Peruto, and then the girl in my bathtub. Here's all the details here, everything that happened. Now go ahead and elect me. There's something about not hiding from your scandal and just saying, yep, it's like putting your crazy out on the front porch instead of in the back. Yeah, you know what I'm thinking because I'm binging Downton Abbey. Mary should have done that when that guy died in her bed and they drug him to the other play, other bedroom. Oh, yeah, like... You don't have to worry. Once everybody knows, everybody knows. You know, I'm no tainted. I'm tainted. Bring on the good men who are okay with the tainted woman. But now look, you can't talk about me behind my back if I said it from my own mouth. Now look. <laughs> Ann Walker, always. Now look. Um, also, y'all, it is deliriously joyful. You need to do Adele's rambling about Downton Abbey. Y'all, we tried to work yesterday, and instead we talked about... Downton Abbey for almost an hour. It was well, so oh, 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 I have so much to talk to you uh, about. No, we we more rabbit holes. More rabbit holes. <laughs> no, we, we have to start a Patreon for Downton Abbey episodes. Um, <laughs> first of all, thank you all who join us live. We appreciate you for being here. If you enjoy the news and the nonsense we bring you and you are financially able and choose to support us with a little tip, a big tip, the whole tip, or the tip shaft and balls, you can send us a tip on Venmo to at Emerson Collins or on PayPal to beardcollinshoresproductions at gmail.com. Thank you to Michael, Bob, Erica, and Leanne who have already sent Venmo tips today. It's a big money Friday. And to those of you listening back later, don't worry. We accept tips all hours of the day and night. So, yes, I, I, so we so appreciate you. We really do. And uh, Y'all, I, I had to go do errands today, and they, a lot of those errands cost money. Uh, That's the way it works. All right, up next, um, an exciting celebration in across the pond from us. There, there they are. The world's first non-binary mayor was elected of Bangor Wells, a city of over 16,000 people, Owen J. Herkham. They are the world's first non-binary male. They identify as agender and genderqueer. They said, I know representation is not just putting on the chain and I'll be judged by what we do as a team for Bangor during my year in office, but still I'm glad my election has resonated with so many. Harkin was elected last year as a deputy mayor after serving as a counselor for four years since running as a college student. So we are celebrating them today. They look about well <laughs> to me. People look younger and younger. So also in uh, interesting news where Emerson and I have a great connection to Alabama because our amazing producing partner, Louise H. Beard is there. And in, in Alabama, the Magic City Acceptance Center, which serves the LGBTQ youth has put up a giant billboard of the trans flag by Highway 280 in Birmingham, Alabama, y'all asking state legislators to stop persecuting trans youth. Lauren Jacobs, uh, the center's youth programming director, told them that it is the largest trans flag that has ever flown over the state. Amanda Keller, the founding director, said she heard from one young client who isn't out to their parents who saw the billboard from the back seat of the car and squealed in delight, but then immediately had 
to rein it in. And I went to their website today and it immediately directs you to this uh, amazing uh, billboard. And then there's a donate button right at the bottom and I donated and, and but, but I, it did not go through. There was an error. So I emailed him. I said, we're talking about y'all on the show today. And Amanda emailed me back, said, thank you so much. And if you're listening, Amanda, we're, it's, it's our pleasure. I know they fixed the button and I was able to donate. So um, y'all, this is, this, is, this is big. It is big for Alabama, huge. And, we and thank for those of you listening, the website is www.magiccityacceptancecenter.org. Just write the whole thing out. O-R-G, I think the G didn't get on that little thing there. It's right there at the end, look at the next line. Oh, well, see, I have to, oh, there it is. I had to, I have to, I only see half of your face because I have to, I, I'm so blind. I have to put my, my, Look, my outline bigger. And they are here with us. Magic City Acceptance Center Aww. is right there. I'm going to put the banner back up because y'all, we talk a lot, you know, as being from the South, the people still there doing the work. When we talk about the legislation that they're fighting, it is organizations like this that are on the ground supporting the community. I mean, that's just what you said. That was the part that moved me so much, thinking about that kid sitting in the back seat of a car, not out to their parents, seeing it and being excited, knowing they aren't alone. So the work they do is super important. So, so Amanda, whoever who's watching from, from Magic City Acceptance Center, I want you to reach out to me. You have my email now. Reach out to me if you ever need auction items, if you ever need anything at all from the Sorted Lives, but just go to my merch store, uh, delshores.com slash shop, and I will donate anything at all to y'all to, to raise money for your cause, uh, your organization. Yay. All right, up next, I saw this and it was really interesting. I was thinking a lot about as the world opens back up. Um, in London, the LGBT community there is getting a new sober space for LGBTQ people. Aisha Shaibu, one of the organizers said, I realized how a lot of people who don't drink, who don't surround their lives by alcohol felt marginalized. And it was a shame that those people couldn't access the same events in the same spaces that we did. So they are opening a sober venue. I want to show you right next door uh, to this. So right next door, uh, it's attached to the Glass House Brick Lane Bar and Cafe. It will include a bookshop and cafe, a downstairs event space, and podcast recording studios that will broadcast live to the venue. They're focusing on Black people of color, trans, non-binary people who often have difficulty or don't feel welcome in specifically gay spaces. And they want to be a goal of welcoming visitors to London as well. So customers can look forward to cabaret, poetry, live music, and workshops in event spaces. And I wondered, you know, with those of you watching live with us, I think about that a lot. You know, all of my first experiences were in bars. That was the only place I could go and find community. And I don't drink. I'm fine and comfortable in bars. But I love the idea as we start thinking about not needing spaces as much that are just for us, increasing the variety of spaces for us. I've always loved book, gay bookstores, LGBT coffee shops. Um, and I feel like maybe as moving more in that direction and not just worrying about only bars and bars surviving might be some of the like forward looking spaces for us so that we have a reason to go that's not just like drink and meet somebody since we can meet people other places. And, and not only that, Anderson, but there's so many people in programs and and in 12 step programs and, and, and if they're not and sober, it's very triggering to go to bars and you wanna socialize. And I know, you know, when, when our friend Leslie got sober and I would 
I'd say, you want to go out? He goes, no, honey, I can't do that anymore. And even when we have events, we, we, we only have Leslie for a very short period of time at any time there's a bar event because of, of being triggered by that. So I just think it's great. I just think it's very important and great. And we should support, even if we're not sober like me, uh, you know, support these, these places. And also like the, yeah, that it's not, cause then it seems like they're not, this isn't meant to be like a sober specific, like focusing right. on people in programs, but just a space that's not about alcohol. And I really love that as we start looking to the next era of our spaces, making them about things we want to do specifically rather than being only the only places we can find each other. Cause I love, you know, like going to see live podcasts that are about our community. We could do a show in that space live. Oh, I would love it. You should do the Della Emerson show now that we can go out somewhere else sometime. That would do be cool. live. Well, uh, y'all, if anybody has a venue here in LA wants to, you know, have the Della Emerson show at your place, will, will you go? I would go. No, we don't have enough live viewers or later view listeners to even fill a theater at this point. You got to get, we got to get our listeners up to a certain point before I feel like we can no. sell out a live venue. Well, I just meant like a little bitty tiny space. <laughs> I'm not going to somewhere for 12 people when we can keep doing it right here in my kitchen where I turn it off and walk to the couch. All right. Well, yeah. But a challenge to our audience. I'm not, of course, there are tons of podcasts that do big live shows and it is a super fun thing. But it really is, you do have to get to a certain point where you could trust that you could sell enough tickets in a market to make it worth going there. So if we get enough listeners, we'll consider that. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, this is um, this is a, a story that that is sad, and it's it's one of the reasons uh, we need we do we need organizations like Magic City Acceptance Center. Now this is international, but a, it's just a tragic story. Uh, it, recently, a 15 year old trans boy uh, died of suicide in March in Perth, uh, Austria. He already had started living as a boy and had taken a new name, but he could. Are you Australia? Australia. Oh, I'm, in Australia. I'm sorry. That's why. That's why I need the big print. Uh, yeah, Perth, Australia. Of course, Perth is in Australia. Apologies, but anyway, back to the story. He started living as a boy and had taken a new name, but he couldn't legally change it. Uh, because of Australian law that requires trans minors to get both parents' permission. After he died, his father wanted his tombstone to show his dead name, which, you know, the birth certificate name. And his mother said that he would hate to be buried for eternity under that name. So the mother agreed to have the dead name in brackets, but real name first. When the father would not agree, she went to a family court and they eventually had to divide the team's ashes in half and held separate funerals. All physical memorials like tombstones will have to use both first names. Uh, the mother said hundreds of people, including people she didn't even know, came to the service that was held, that she held for him. So. Yeah, so I'm. It, a good mom, I though. A good mom that, that, that was crying even beyond his death. And thinking about that, like her having to fight so hard to make sure who he was was honored after the fact. And thinking about the father being so unwilling to even see his son the way his son saw himself. Um, you know, I think about going to court for that. Uh, that's why we talk about so many of these stories. You know, it's why we share these. It happened a couple of weeks ago and I'd been holding on to it uh, for a while. And wonderful for that mother but thinking about she's mourning and in loss for her son and having to fight for him in the court system against the man 
who helped bring that sun into the world. Like it's just so representative of the reason we all keep talking about all this stuff and fighting all these things. It is for, for me, it's always, it's for these kids. You know, people fought before me, um, you know, we're fine. We can make it through the bigotry we face in a day, but it's those kids uh, that we have to protect. And, and, and listen, I mean, Australia has actually been behind the United States in, in gay rights. There's been a huge fight there in, uh, in the political system. So. And I feel like she won't mind us sharing this because she posted it in the comments. Our friend Danielle says that would happen to her if she died, that I would be detransitioned in death. You know, even being disrespected uh, by your family, uh, not here anymore. It's really hard. Yes. Well, we're sorry for all the families who can't see their sons and daughters who, for who, whom they are. Yeah. Um, and then in continuing our post-pandemic and life and the conversations we've been having in so many different ways about mental health, I love this new series uh, that Pride Media is doing. Uh, they've started a new series of videos called Love Me. And they're specifically about struggling with severe treatment-resistant depression. The first video is from former professional basketball player DeMarco Majors. In his video, he says, a large part of my identity came from depression, came from shame. He was first diagnosed at 20. He says, we say love is love, but love isn't love when you're suffering from trauma. When you're suffering from depression, you don't know where to derive a sense of identity. He says, as a black man, going to therapy was frowned upon. He says, it's amazing to see a coach who can ask you questions and help you dig out areas that need to be fine-tuned. And I just loved his willingness uh, to talk about that, you know, seeing these people, leaders in our communities, he leads on a number of issues, because according to research from the Anxiety and Depression Association of America, LGBTQ plus adults are three times more likely than straight adults to experience a mental health disorder. 40% of LGBTQ plus adults reported having a mental illness in the last year versus 18% of straight adults. So more than 100% more. Even more disturbing, LGBTQ plus teens are six times as likely to experience depression as straight teens. So they're gonna keep rolling out these videos. You can watch DeMarco's whole video at advocate.com. You know, we've, I've talked a lot about my anxiety, people talking about their depression. The more we talk about it, the easier it is for us to you know, share that we have something we struggle with, the easier it is to then, you know, get the help we need to treat it. And there are always seek out, first of all, friends and family that are supportive of you to, to talk about, because, you know, I, I worked with the Trevor Project for years and I love their, their, their motto, you are not alone. You are not alone. Always remember that there is always somebody who will celebrate your beautiful life with you and, uh, Email me if you get depressed. I'll write you back. And it is, you know, I, I, when I first started sharing with you all that stuff here, it was a little uncomfortable for me. I've always sort of been the kind to like work super hard and then act like what I did wasn't a big deal, you know, or uh, to dismiss the amount of effort something took. Like there's an aspect, I think, for some of us of like trying to be perfect, particularly those of us that felt like who we were was a sin growing up. It's like try to be the most perfect to make up for that sin that we were hiding. Um, so the more we talk about it, the easier it is for to talk about it. And the more those of us with tiny platforms talk about it, hopefully, you know, it helps people feel that they aren't alone. John just shared, I suffer from OCD. Now you don't have to share your disorders here with us on the show, but 
we talk about it so that it's easier maybe for you to talk oh, about yeah. it in your world. I mean, yes, feel free to, but I hope that it does. You know, I've, I've gotten a lot of messages from people saying the more that I've shared about it, the less alone they feel in theirs. And, and that's why we do it. No one should feel alone because one of the hardest things of mental health issues is that the way they impact you can make you feel isolated uh, which exacerbates them further. You know, talking about it may not fix it, may need professional help to do it, but hopefully talking about it makes you feel like you're not alone in what you're going through. And and right. just, I, I think about all the organizations that are out there for us. I, I, I'm just thinking of like, they had a big event this weekend, the Resource Center in Dallas, I've worked with before. And a, a friend of mine was going struggling, a breakup with his husband, and it was just an awful situation. He was he had no idea how to reach out for a therapist. I called them and they immediately contacted him, immediately got in touch with a therapist and, and got him help. And so just know that there are those in a lot of major cities and beyond that can yeah. help you. Absolutely. Um, all right. Uh, the U.S. House of Reps passed a bill this week to designate the Pulse nightclub in Orlando a national memorial. Uh, Florida Democrat Val Demings, who I am obsessed with. I love her so much. Uh, she, Orlando Strong is more than just a slogan. It is a promise to support each other and to never forget those we lost and those who were injured on that tragic night. By establishing Pulse as a national memorial, we will honor their memories and remind ourselves of that promise. And this is what I really, this is bipartisan support. Republican Rick Scott plans to introduce a Senate version of the bill in the coming days. And that's saying a lot. Right there, that is saying so much. So, you know, we bash Republicans a whole lot, but I wanna just say, you know, when they do something right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it right here on this show. Yay, Rick Scott, I usually can't stand you, but I am so happy that you have, you know, put all that shit aside and said, this is the right thing to do. Absolutely, because they tried in 2019 and they couldn't get a senator on board. And this, even if this happens, they won't receive any federal funding. So we talked about it a, a number of shows back, but onepulsefoundation.org, if you want to donate towards the actual memorial itself, uh, you can go there and contribute. And, and, and remind me, Emerson, because I can't remember. Rick Scott was actually governor of Florida when this, no, I, I think, uh, someone, hey, Erica? I don't live in Florida. That's not yeah. my. I think he was, but I could be wrong about that. Anyway, onward. The, and then up next, you know, an interest on Tuesday, the Queen of England, Queen Elizabeth gave what's known as the Queen of UK. I mean, it's not just the Queen of England. Gave what's called the Queen's Speech to open the new session of British Parliament. Now, she does not write the speech. The speech is written by the Prime Minister and his, and his administration, but it indicates the new government's priority and legislative agenda. So it's notable that in the speech, she included the line, uh, measures will be brought forward to address racial and ethnic disparities and ban conversion therapy. So the Queen of England talked about conversion therapy in the Queen's speech. Now, the LGBTQ people in the UK are hopeful this means it will be a prior priority for Prime Minister Boris Johnson's administration. He's actually come out against it before, but his equality advisor and two other members of the LGBT advisory panel resigned in part because of the slow pace of getting a ban. Still, a good sign uh, that his administration thinks it's important enough to mention and the community there is fighting super hard for a ban at the uh, national level there. Uh, and to answer your question, Rick Scott was governor of Florida when it happened. Todd said, is a criminal, but good for him for not being an asshole for once. 
Well, there we have it. So I, I got a little history right for once. You were on it. All right. And thank you, Emerson, for giving me the vagina story. You are um, welcome. Big news. Well, a lot of our listeners have vaginas. And, and, and some of them, we all came out of one. So yeah. London has a vagina museum. Uh, now, this is what this just cracked me up. It started as a pop up in 2017. Like kind of like, you know, the, uh, the those little restaurants here in LA, those pop ups. But when you say a pop-up also, that sounds more like you're talking about the penis or the strap-on, not the vagina part, <laughs> no, but continue. It's a pop-up. It was a pop-up museum. I didn't know that. I always thought they were like restaurants. I went with Danielle to one, where uh, the Tim Burton one. Oh, uh, you can make whatever you want pop-up. Anything, anything at all. It, it, it should do a Sorted Lives pop-up store somewhere. And it well, it opened as the world's first museum dedicated to vaginas who this this word vulvas and gynecological autonomy in 2019 anatomy what did i say what did i say autonomy oh anatomy yes anatomy uh i was just so happy i got the other word right it's set to reopen this month with an exhibition dedicated to the will you emerson you give me all this these stories about vaginas it's gonna throw me off a little bit so it's now it's, look you were married to a woman you can get i know i know but i blocked that up um so it's set to reopen this month with an exhibition I didn't block the marriage up, but I blocked the vaginas up. Uh, dedicated to the history of uh, menstruation called, okay, periods, a brief history, <laughs> periods. Oh my God, and there's images. Uh, I, for those of you who are the, wait, the visual, I enjoy so much the like sequin blood, the like fancy sequin blood presentation. Continue. It reminds me of being on tour with, uh, in Palm Springs, uh, 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 uh. the, the exhi exhibition will examine the his, historic perceptions and beliefs around menstruation and the impact that it has had on society. It will also highlight the ongoing issues that surround periods, how menstruation is perceived and how a lack of understanding has impacted the lives of people in the modern age. Uh, the managing director of The Body Shop, a sponsor said they are partnering to help educate many thousands of people on issues of gynecological health while busting uh, the damaging taboos that so negatively affect the confidence and self-love of people who menstruate. 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 <laughs> menstruate. I love that every time you looked at that word, like it was written in hieroglyphics. Okay, I'll be serious before we're silly again. One, the work they are doing is great and really important. Yeah. There are so many places in the world where people who menstruate don't have access to the healthcare they need, to the materials they need through that. And so the work they are doing is really important. And we want to celebrate that. But And I want to get to, because until I was way too old before I realized that period blood wasn't blue because of those commercials. You know, on TV... You know, it's like they can't show blood because people just will be terrified, I guess. You know, it's always been blue in those commercials. That's just as weird the longer you think about it. But they decided that that was comforting. Because look at these. I mean, these are fully like sequined bloody tampon. Like it is a fabulous. It's, like fresh blood. it's not even dried blood. That's fresh blood. I know. Well, half the world at some point in their lives menstruates. 
The whole well, point is not that weird. Okay, so I have to admit, you know, because everybody who follows me on Instagram, you know, I, I, I do these ramblings when I hike. The other day, I'm hiking through Hollywood. I did not even have, I just could not even dare to, to, do, to, to, to do an image of it. There was a, a used tampon on the street. Just somebody just pulled it out and thrown it down. Just done. Just I'm finished with this right here. You're like, so, um, you know, it's, I need to go to this vagina museum because I have to be honest, my only real world experience is a little fumbly fingering and moving on. So like I could probably learn a lot at this institution. Uh, <laughs> that's your, that's the name of your autobiography, fumbling fingering. <laughs> now that's about a pianist. <laughs> That's about a pianist who doesn't have much experience with vaginas. That is the name of that movie. I will tell you, Michael pointed out there's a penis museum in Reykjavik in Iceland. So everyone has an opportunity to go to a dedicated museum. Well, if it wasn't so cold, I would. Um, it is funny, you know, the, the real issue of this, it is fascinating and for, for women and, and, the, and for people who menstruate, the history of this, like the shame associated with, like the fact that they literally, the only way they could make commercials about actual healthcare was to make it blue because people were worried about seeing blood. Um, that there is a real issue in places around the world with people not understanding, not knowing enough, uh, and that this education is actually really important. Yeah, good. Uh, I love that title though. I just love that title. Fumbly fingerings or the period piece? The period piece. Well, you know, as our good friend Newell Alexander once said, a, a minstrel show just sounds wrong nowadays, you know, but like <laughs> the amount of uh, wordplay jokes that can be made to keep it light and keep it fun. It's a period piece. Yes. Um, yes. Um, I, I apologize. Gracie Louise has gone on a tear. I don't know what she's barking about in the other room. But I some... think she just wants to go to the Vagina Museum. You know, Sissy came out of hers. She said, I can tell you some stories. Sissy's behaving though. She just came out and she wanted a little, little hug. Uh-huh. Gracie, stop it. Gracie <laughs> said, mine has had some experience. I'm an authority. She wants to That's, be the, the puppy parade at the it, period piece at it, the Vagina Museum. And it, it's hard for me to um oh, wait, 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 I have one more. How much how much is the ticket for entry? <laughs> <laughs> we could go on and on all day um well look at that we did good we got we finished on time and once again thank you to all who financially support us so that we can keep the show free twice a week for you all we do put in more of the work than it probably sounds like if you want to send us a tip that again is on venmo to at emerson collins on paypal to beard collins shores productions at gmail.com and if you cannot support financially, that is okay. Y'all find the link to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, share it with a friend, tell them to join our little community here. To those of you that listen back later, we are grateful for you too. Do you have fun weekend plans, Del Shores? Well, I, I, you know, I always do my Fridays with Matt Hayes uh, and we're going to see, we're going to watch some classic movie we hadn't decided. Uh, I've been on Whole30, so I, I used to order pizza on Friday, so I'm bitter a little bit about that. And then I teach, and, uh, and you know, I may just make an appointment to the Century Spa. That's yes, amazing. yes. Get your massage. Tell Colton, no shame. Oh, oh and I'm going to an oxygen, you know those oxygen things that you do, like they do well, on like the an oxygen bar? Tomorrow, I'm going, no, where you go, it's, it's, you go in, it's like a... The bariatric chamber? Yes, an oxygen chamber. Beverly and I are going. She's, she's, oh. she, she joined them. 
And so she said she has four free ones. We're going at 2.30. So that's amazing. I love that. I can't wait to hear all about that experience. So that's that's it. That's all. Well, good. Yeah. I am glad. Uh, we're going to a brunch. We made an actual brunch reservation at a yeah. public place on Sunday at, at Pump in town. Uh, oh, Lisa Vanderpump now, restaurant. Now that things can get back out there. So to all of you watching live, thank you. We love your comments. That's part of what makes the show so much fun to do live. Otherwise, it would just be the two of us talking to each other. And we do that enough. To those of you who listen back later, thank you for subscribing and listening. And however you spend your weekend, take care of yourself. Treat yourself well. We'll see you on Tuesday. Bye-bye, y'all. Bye now.